excited to see you. How many of you, I'm just curious, you braved the Black Friday shopping? Any, any brave individuals here? Wow, that's incredible. First service, hands up. This service, no. Now, second question. How many of you, this is your Black Friday shopping? Open the laptop, in bed, Amazon Prime. Let me see your hands. That's what I'm talking about. This is the smarter group, okay? The other group looks better, but you're smarter, okay? That's what you have over them. Good morning. Welcome to South. I heard somebody say, ouch. Yes, it's rough. Um, so, welcome. Glad you're here. Funny story. Not really. Kind of, sort of is. Uh, our family doesn't do the traditional Thanksgiving Day turkey. We just, we just don't, right? We haven't really been into the turkey. How many of you, you do a traditional Thanksgiving turkey? Okay, all right, good for you. Okay, all right, that's great. Our family does different, like, one year it'll be like tamales, or we'll do uh, Mexican food, or we'll do Chinese food. We'll just, we'll try to we'll barbecue, but we don't typically do a turkey, and uh, most of our family's not real big uh, turkey eaters. And this year, somebody had the great idea to say, let's have a traditional Thanksgiving turkey. So they made this turkey, and most of my family is sick now. So I don't know why, but most of them are all sick. I woke up at two this morning, and I was just it was sick, just, just not feeling great. And, and yeah, you say, oh, thank you. Thank you. I don't know who did that. This was not my wife's reaction. My wife was not, oh, you're sick. My wife's reaction was this when I got up. She was like, ah, oh. you know, just like that, like annoyed, all right? And uh, so it's just so funny. I'm glad I'm getting some sympathy here, you know? And uh, she doesn't ever believe that I'm actually sick. She's like, you're just not ever sick, all right? So, but that's just, I guess, what we get. Take your Bibles. We're in a new series entitled Great and Awesome, and we're looking at the book of Nehemiah. And if you don't have your Bible, turn your Bible on, or it'll be up on the screen, no big deal. And uh, we're going through the series leading up to what great things God has in store for us, and we're super excited about the great things that God is doing. But I got to stop everything, because we have a really special guest that just stepped into church, and we just got to give a big round of applause for Isaac and Callie and their newborn baby boy. First Sunday in church. I saw him slip in, and I had to embarrass him, all right? So that's what you guys get, all right? No, we love you guys. We missed you. So excited to see you guys. Everybody, go and say hello to the baby. I can't. I'm sick, so I'll be a distance away, but congratulate them. Their baby boy is absolutely beautiful. But we're in a new series entitled Great and Awesome, and uh, really, last week, the big idea that we had was this idea of ask, that the power that a simple ask has. You see, Nehemiah in chapter number one just asked his brother a question. That question opened up a door, a window of opportunity that Nehemiah is able to step through and incredible things are able to happen because he was simply willing to ask. Uh, the moment I knew that, man, Jane is the one I wanted to marry, it just the next thing I had to do was simply ask. And that ask turned into a series of asks, and then I ended up asking her dad for her hand, not just once, not just twice, but three times was the charm. Actually, he never said yes either of the time. I think we just ran off to Vegas or something. You know, and it was just one of those things where it's just like, fine, we'll figure out another way. And, uh, but an ask can open up a door. This week, I want you to have this big idea in your mind, and it's that the other side of an ask is to say yes. Now, how many of you, you have that friend, you'll invite that friend out, or you'll say, hey, let's hang out, let's grab coffee, let's go hang out, let's go on, uh, uh, on a trip, and here's what they say. They say, I'll get back to you. Do you have that friend? Like, you know they don't have anything better going on. You know that they're, they have no friends other than you, 
and yet they're like holding out for something better. And you're like, and you you finally just ask them. You're like, hey, so what do you have going on next Friday that would keep you from hanging out with me? They're like, I don't know, but just in case, I want to keep it open. You're like, what's wrong with you? Just commit. Just say yes. Just say yes. Is it that hard? And they're like, it actually is. Why? Because they have FOMO, fear of missing out on something better. They always think that maybe something bigger or better is around the corner. But Nehemiah, he says yes to an opportunity. And that's going to open incredible doors. Now, that truth alone, just imagine the things if you started saying yes to, we're really good at saying no. Especially when you become a parent. Come on. No is like our go-to word. Let me see the parents in the house. You represent yes, no. Can I have this? No. Your wife, spouse ask you, your girlfriend, boyfriend ask you. No, no, no. We're just really good at saying no. But too often is we get conditioned to say no and we never say yes. And we get locked out on incredible opportunities of things that God wants to do. So let's pick it up the story of Nehemiah in chapter 2. And I'm just going to read just a few verses just to kind of give us a little bit of backdrop into what's happening and what's going on. Nehemiah is really the butler to King Artaxerxes, and he comes to him, the Bible says in verse number one, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought to him. I took the wine and gave it to the king, and I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. Now, I think a lot of times what keeps you and I out of taking that step into saying yes is exactly where verse 2 ends. I was very afraid. I think fear is keeping you right now, right now, from saying yes to a decision that you know you should probably say yes to. You are at the point where you want to experience greater things. You want to do greater things. But it's simply not being able to say yes that's keeping you out. Why? Because there's fear standing there. And I think fear keeps us... Blocked from doing great things, even just simple fun things, just simply saying, yes, I'm terrified of roller coasters, just terrified. My daughter, Megan, I thought I had passed this down onto her. And I remember the first time we took her to one of those little Gilroy Gardens roller coasters or little happy hollow roller coasters. She was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And I was like, I don't want to do this either. All right. So that's two of us. Okay. And it's just the little, the little roller coaster, you know, and we're both on there. And then all of a sudden I'm freaking out. And she's like, this is the best thing ever. And I'm the one that's like, can I hold your hand, Megan? Can you, you know, daddy's kind of scared right now. You know, and now I can't keep her off of rides. She doesn't need anybody to go with her. She's just on her own. She just has a, a blast. Why? Because it was one yes that opened up to something so much greater that she conquered a fear. And now it's, it's just open doors. Some of you, you are conditioned to say no. And you're wondering why you're not experiencing the things that you know you should and you want to experience. It's because you are so limited by fear. But I love what verse number three, how it starts out. It says this, but. That's verse number three, but. You see, there's, it's a conjunction. It's like, hey, I was afraid, but I'm going to act against my fear. That right there is game changer. You want to be successful. You want to have great relationships. You want to see great things happen. Go against your fears. Go against them. Where fear is standing in the way, say, you know what? I'm not going to let my fear keep me out from asking this guy or this girl out or asking for that promotion or asking for that opportunity. I am going to overcome fear. So I love the fact that Nehemiah wasn't going to let fear stop him. Verse number three, but I said to the king, my king, live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what is it that you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. 
What is it that you want? And I prayed to the God of heaven. That's pretty, pretty awesome. It was an ask that he said yes to. And now the most powerful person he knows, the person with the most influence is saying, what do you want? We could just stop there. Matter of fact, we actually are. I read all the verses for the first hour. I'm going to switch it up because I believe this right here is what we would call a window of opportunity. Now, when it comes to windows of opportunity, we've all heard the phrase. Some of us would look back, and in the 80s, we had a window of opportunity of buying Apple stock when it was really low. And we had this golden window, and we were like, nope. Instead, we bought Yahoo, thinking Yahoo's going to make it big. And where's your Yahoo stuff at now? This is like, no, there's nothing, right? It's just gone, right? It's, it's this window of opportunity that, oh, I should have asked her out. Oh, man, I should have taken that job. I should have done that deal. I should have sold my house before the crash. There's all these windows of opportunity. And if you hear that beeping, what that is is the fire alarm in the back needs a battery change and we just can't reach it. So just kind of ignore the random beeping, okay? It's, it's nothing bad. It's just the fire alarm. So I'll try to hold your attention. But if you're wondering, what is that beeping? Yeah, the first service, they were wondering too. So uh, just random things. That's why we need our own building where we could change our own fire alarms with our own batteries, all right? Sounding like a good idea? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So we have these windows of opportunity. Now, growing up, uh, we kind of lived out in the country, and so we had BB guns, all right? And I know this is terrible for a parent to hand a little 8 or 9 or 10-year-old a BB gun. Nowadays, our, you parents are probably way more responsible. Mine had seven kids, so what do you expect? They were like, we can make more. It's not a big deal, all right? So they, they got us a BB gun. We all had BB guns, okay? And I had a Red Rider Daisy BB gun, okay? And many of you instantly, you're thinking, Christmas story, you're going to shoot your eye out, you know? Yeah, pretty much, except I didn't shoot my eye. I shot my brother's tooth out, all right? Not the eye, his tooth. All right, so if one's got to go, the tooth is safer, right? So um, anyway, so this is what happens when we're around family over Thanksgiving. We just share stories about each other. But it seemed to focus on me and all my, my stories. And so they were like, hey, do you remember when you had that Daisy BB gun and you shot the window out? I was like, no, I don't recall that, you know. And they said, no, no, you remember you were aiming at the target, but you missed and you hit mom and dad's sliding glass door and you didn't realize you had hit the sliding glass door. And inside we all heard like what we thought was like Rice Krispies, you know, crackling and we couldn't figure out what it was. And then my mom was like, what is that sound? So she goes to open her sliding glass door. And as she opens it, all the glass, because it's tempered glass, it doesn't just break like big shards. It just, it just crumbled into a thousand pieces. And that's where I immediately throw my BB gun to the youngest brother. Hold this, you know, and run for dear life. You know, it's like, I am not above framing one of my siblings, not in the least. Okay. Don't judge me. You've done the same thing, you know. And uh, uh, so it is one of those where, yeah, that window I blew it out. And some of you, instead of seizing the window of opportunity, you're missing the windows of opportunity. And I believe that there are some powerful opportunities that God has presented to each and every one of you. But instead of us being like Nehemiah, who sees and seizes an opportunity, we're just watching windows. That's a nice window. That's a great looking window. But we don't call it windows. We instead, man, that's a really good relationship. I wish I had that kind of relationship. Man, those are some really good kids. I wish my kids were like that. That's a very nice car. I wish I had a car like that. That's a good job. I wish I had that job. We're just 
watching windows of opportunity because guess what? You can have the relationship that they have. You got to put the work into it. You can have the kind of kids that they have. You got to put the work into it. You can have what they have, but you have to be willing to do what they've done for it. See, oftentimes we just think it was just handed to them. We just think they're an overnight success. But if you talk to them, that was one long night. You see... Success doesn't just happen. Oftentimes, people want your fruit. They don't want your fight. They want your gift. They don't want your grind. And that's the reality of it. You see somebody, and they look good, and they fit those clothes from back when they were in their 20s. It's because guess what? They were in the gym while you and I, we were at Black Friday at Krispy Kreme having donuts and coffee, okay? That's what they decided to do, all right? So, so we can judge, we can point figures, or we can watch the window, or we can say, you know what? I'm done just watching windows. There's a lot of windows, But there's a window of opportunity, and it's your opportunity. It's got your name on it. It's ready for you to seize it. But too often, we miss it. I am sure that there were other people, aside from Nehemiah, who saw his hometown destroyed, his hometown that he loved and wanted and cared to rebuild it. Matter of fact, there was one man. His name was Ezra. He went back to the exact same city 20 years prior to do exactly what Nehemiah wanted to do, but he never completed the job. Artaxerxes, the same king that Nehemiah is talking to in this passage, he's the guy who shut down the building project. So you could see when Nehemiah, he comes to this king, it says the king asked him, hey, ask me whatever you want. You could see why Nehemiah is like, hey, so that building project you shut down, I want to start it up again. You could see that there's, there was a reason the king 20 years ago shut it down, but he's going to seize the window of opportunity. The king says, what is it that you want? Let's seize this opportunity. Let's stop watching the windows. Many of you, you're watching your life pass before your eyes. You say, you know what? Yesterday, I didn't really have a great day with my kids. Guess what? Today, you can have a great day. You said, I miss, bed- I miss bedtime stories with my kids. Guess what? Today, you can tell the best bedtime story. You say, you know what? I just miss building that relationship with these loved ones. And over Thanksgiving, I just didn't spend enough time with them. You know what? It's a phone call. It's a letter. It's an email. It's a text message. It's something simple where you can say, you know what? I missed that opportunity. But you know what? I'm done watching windows and I'm now going to grab this opportunity. I'm now going to work with what I've got. Simply this, we need to work our windows. We need to work the window. You see, there's an opportunity that God has given you, but too often, instead of working it, we're waiting for it or we're watching it and God is saying, hey, there's an opportunity. If you'll just seize it, let's work this window of opportunity. Let's stop wishing for somebody else's window and let's take our window and say, I'm going to work with what I've got. Touch your neighbor and say, work with what you got. Work with what you got. Work with what you got. You see, you would be amazed at what people accomplish when they stop wishing for what they don't have and they start working with what they do have. It's incredible what you can accomplish in your family, in your relationship, with your finances. You say, hey, I want to save $30,000. Then guess what? You shouldn't have spent any money on Black Friday, okay? You say, I want to lose 30 pounds. Then use your gym membership card. Just take that first step. Just do that first thing. Just that simple step. And that's where it all begins if you're willing to work your window. Work it. you got to work this thing. It's not going to work itself. It's sitting there. It's ready. But you got to take that first step and say, this is my window. This is my opportunity. It's not anybody else's. In all of time and all of creation, this is my moment. This is mine. You see, you're waiting for your moment. And here's what I have to hear. People say this, oh, when you're a little bit older, you can seize that moment. But then you ever notice you get a little bit older and they're like, oh, you're a little bit too old to seize the moment. You're like, what? What? Wait, wait. Oh, pop, time out. Like, like I was too young. Now I'm too old. And now you're saying I'm not young enough. 
What happened? Can I tell you this? There'll always be somebody out there telling you, you can't work your window. Always. So are you going to listen to the critics? You see, in chapter 2, Nehemiah is going to meet a couple of guys. One, his name is Sambalot. Another guy he's going to meet. And these guys, there's three of them, they all wanted to stop Nehemiah from working his window. They're going to threaten him. They're going to criticize him. They're going to do whatever they can to stop him from working their window. And guess what? If somebody right now is trying to stop you or making fun of you, hey, why are you spending so much time with your girl? Why are you spending so much time with your kids? Man, be your own man. That old lady doesn't ever let you out of the house. Guess what? I care about what's important. I care about what matters. My kids matter. My girl matters. My my man matters. These are the things that matter to me. So guess what? I'm going to work this window because this is what's actually going to matter. Hey, a couple of drinks, that may be fun. But you know what? That's not going to matter 10 years from now. That's not going to matter five years from now. So I'm going to take this window. I'm going to take this moment, and I'm going to own this moment. And so that's what Nehemiah says. He's like, hey, I'm going to work this window. You see, there's a difference between a life that feels good and a life that does good. Many of us just want to feel good. We don't want to do good. But we need to step up and say, you know what? It's time that we actually do good. The world has enough people that just want to feel good. That kind of seems like the, that's what we're consumed with today. Just me, my comfort, my needs. When are we going to wake up and say, you know what? My family matters. When are we going to wake up and say, you know, my job matters. You know what? My friends matter. These things matter. This window matters to me. And I'm not going to let this window pass me by. I'm done watching and waiting for windows. This is my window. I'm going to work this window. I'm not going to let somebody else work this window. I was created for this moment, for this window. It's all about this opportunity. Will you work your window? You see, working your window is simply doing what you can with what you have. Doing what you can with what you have. But too often, like I said, fear is blocking the way. You see, you need to condition yourself. See, what are you willing to do again and again? The Bible says it was the month Nisan. You say, Why? what's the big deal about that? You see, nothing in the Bible is just random. It's just thrown out there, you know. He's not talking about a Nissan car. He's talking about the month. Their calendar was named a little bit different than our calendar. And really what had happened from the time we meet Nehemiah till now has been four months. But the Bible says that Nehemiah was committed to prayer and fasting and seeking God over that four months. For four months, he prepared for his moment. What are you willing to do day in and day out? What do you think could actually be so much better in your life if you did it day in and day out? Don't you think your relationship could be a little bit better? if you worked at it every single day? Don't you think you could knock out that college degree if you just worked at it every day, day in and day out? You see, you need to turn the emotion into a reaction, the hype into habit. But too often, we just live by one hype to the next. You ever met that person? Man, they're after one, what's the new latest and greatest? And all of a sudden, you ask them, you say, hey, how are you doing with, uh, with that big entrepreneurial endeavor that you have? What are you talking about? They already forgot about it. Why? Because they just live after hype. What we need is people that it's just habit. It's just grind. It's just this is what I do. I'm in the flow. This is what happens. And we're there just working their window. But too often we're not working our window. We're, we're, we're busy watching a window, wishing for a better window. But you know what? You will never open the window of opportunity if you're focused on the walls of your weakness. You say, what do you mean? Let, this whole book of Nehemiah is really focused on building the walls around Jerusalem. 
That really is the setup. That's the crux. That's the driving theme of the book of Nehemiah. They're going to build the city walls around Jerusalem. It's going to take them 52 days. But you know what? I don't in this passage, out of eight verses, eight verses where Nehemiah is talking to the king, he never brings up the walls. He never talks about it. You see, sometimes what keeps you and I out of work in our window is we're too focused on our weaknesses. We're like, no, 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 God wouldn't use me. God wouldn't want to do it. I'm too broken. I'm too messed up. I got too many issues. I find that God loves to use broken things. You see, God made the world out of nothing. So if you and I will remain nothing, then God can build something out of us too. Isn't that good, church? Isn't that good? You see, too often we make ourselves into something. We are too often, and I'm not against anybody using social media, but a social media, come on. We got filters. We can knit. We can tuck. We can squeeze. We can lighten. We can brighten. We can do all these things to make our life look a little bit better, and I wish we would just post the real. Like, the real is this. Man, Friday night, my daughter was throwing up, and she's on a bunk bed, all right? It started up, and my son's below. That's the real. It got real nasty real fast. That's the real. I was like, babe, give me your phone. We got to post it. She's like, that's disgusting. I was like, let's just get real. Let's Facebook live this. I mean, this is what people need to see. Life isn't always perfect. She's like, that's disgusting. I was like, I know, right? It would be awesome, you know? And then my son, you know, he was there. And and you ever done one of these where you have your arm and your leg over the bed? But he he didn't even notice that stuff was dropping on him. I was like, man, we got to save this. When he gets married, when he turns 18, this is going to be so good. And my wife's just too She's like, we are not, we are not, no, no, just grab the bucket, just get the bucket and pick it up, all right? Work your window. And I was like, okay, all right. You know, but, but when it comes to the window of opportunity, we're missing it. We're not seizing what God has for us. And instead, we're often not, we're just focused on our weaknesses. We're, we're, we're just thinking it's all about these weaknesses and that. And you honestly think your weakness is stopping you, but it's not. It's your weakness that's actually opened up the doors for you. Because that's where God is like, hey, I'm going to use you in an extraordinary way. And everybody else is going to look back and like, whoa, God uses you in that way? Yeah, because I'm just a nobody. I'm just nothing. And God, he did it. He gets all the credit. Matter of fact, this is what I love. In verse number, the end, verse number eight, you got to check this out. Nehemiah, he's going he's gonna to ask to be sent to Jerusalem. He's going to ask for letters of recommendation. He's going to be asked for resources. And it's all going to be given to him. But then at the end of verse number 8, the Bible says this. And may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Here's the powerful reality. You see, Nehemiah knew who actually was providing it. He knew who actually was giving it. You see, God was going to use the king to provide for him. You see, first of all, you can window watch, and we're really good at window watching. Come on, my kids just got the Toys R Us catalog. Man, they just go through all the toys that they want. And we kind of do that too. We scroll online. You got your Amazon wish list. You got all these things that you want. And there's nothing wrong with that, but we're window watching. And then we say, hey, I'm going to work my window. I'm going to work this window God's given me. Here's the third point. I want you to write this down. It's not just about watching the window. It's not just about working the window. We need to widen the window. You say, why? Because Nehemiah does something so powerful. It's the game changer moment. Many of us are sitting back and saying, God, you would only use me if. I want you to write this down. I want you to keep it in your memory. Because God doesn't use the amazing God uses the available. You mark it down. 
God is not out there saying, are you amazing? Who's amazing? Raise your hand if you is amazing. No, God's just like, who is available? God is looking for somebody who's available. He's not looking for the successful. He is looking for those who will simply submit themselves, who will just simply sacrifice and say, God, I'm it. So you need to say, hey, this is my window. I'm going to open it. But here's what we often do. Instead of having the window wide open, we kind of, all right, God, all right, let's see what you could get through there, all right? I'm going to give to God. Oh, yeah, I'm going to give something to God. Oh, sorry. It don't fit, God. I can't give nothing. I want to. You could see it, right? But it doesn't fit through the window. What's my problem? Widen the window. Now it fits. See what we do? God says bring the tithe. Tithe means a tenth. Bring the tenth back to me. Oh, can't, I can't do it. We don't just do it with the tithe. You got a friend you know you need to spend time with, take them to coffee, spend some time with them, and just encourage them. Ah, oh, my week's so busy, I don't have any time. I'm sorry, I want to, I'd really love to, but there's no time in my schedule. Oh, God, there's not really enough time for me to spend time with you on a Sunday. There's just no time during the day for me to, to pray or to seek you. There's just no time. God, there's just no time for me to, 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 to love or to give or to serve. I just don't have it. Now, here's the reality. This is where a lot of you, this is what keeps you from loving. Is because you think that if you give all your love away, it's never going to come back. You think if you forgive others, you're never going to get forgiveness back. You think if you give all your time away, it's never going to come back. You think if you give all your resources away, it's never going to come back. But it's a two-way window. It's a two-way window. You say, why? Why is it a two-way window? Because God says in Malachi chapter number 3, and I'm going to read this to you because it's just too powerful. This verse just changed the way I see the window. We talk about working a window, but here's what he says in Malachi chapter 3. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and test me in this, now says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you won't even have room to receive it. You see, when you give love, guess what? God can give it back. When you give forgiveness, God can give it back. When you give away time, God can give it back. It's a two-way window. Man, let me illustrate this. Let me, let, me, let me do a better job of illustrating this. Wesley, can I borrow you just for a second, Wesley? This is going to pay off. This is going to be great. This is going to be great. All right, Wesley. I always pick on Wesley. Wesley's the man. Hey, Wesley, can you stand in front of the window, please? Can you stand in front of the window? Wesley, I'm just feeling really generous today. Oh, you got to turn around, man. You got to turn around. I'm just feeling so generous. Man. All right, Wesley, I, I want to give you 20 bucks. All right, I, I want to give Wesley this $20, but, dude, I, I want to. That's cheating, man. No, no, it's got to go through the window, the window. Last service, that's what they did, too. Sorry, man, I want to. I would love to give you this 20 What do I need to do? I need to throw open the window. There you go, 20 bucks. That's how it works. All right, but it's a two-way window. All right, give me 40 Give me 40 No, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. But, you see, it comes right back. Thanks so much, Wesley. Lorenzo, come on up here, man. Come on up here. I see Lorenzo. Lorenzo needs some new kicks. He needs some new shoes. Man, I'd love to get you some new shoes. Oh, some ratty old shoes. Man, you need some shoes, Lorenzo. I want to get this to you, but there's just no way. There's just, there's just no way, man. I'm sorry. I, I would love to help you. I see your need. I, I like you. You're amazing. And uh, you got that YouTube channel and uh, whatever. And, uh, you know, but I'm sorry. What's my problem? My window's shut. I got to throw up in the window. But here's the thing. You ever heard this old adage? 
There's more where that came from. How many believe that God can provide anything for you? You believe that? I believe it too. Oh, I believe it. I believe it in my heart. I believe it's so deep and so strong. That's why I don't ever feel like I have this scarcity mentality because I know if I give love, guess what? Love's going to come back. If I give forgiveness, forgiveness is going to come back. I know if I give time, time's going to come back. No, no, hold on. Hold on to that. That's yours. And uh, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. I know that whatever I send to God, God can send it right back. Why? Because I've thrown this window as wide as I can so that God can give back. Some of you don't realize that God can give you more than you ever gave away. He can give more than you ever gave away. But here's the thing. God wants to know, not just can he get it to you, but can he get it through you? It's all about going through the window. You see, God can get anything to you, but he's trying to get it through you. But too many of us, this is our window. Sorry, homeless person. Sorry, cousin who needs help. Sorry, relative. Sorry, person. Sorry, I don't have time. I don't have resources. I can't get it to you. But God says, hey, there's more where that came from. There's plenty more. There you go, Lorenzo. There's more where that came from. There you go. Sorry, Wesley. There's no more where that came from. There we go. Have a seat. Let's give those men a round of applause. No, no, that's yours. That's yours. Just tied. And... Uh, You see, here's, here's what needs to happen. We need to have the heart that says, you know what, this window is open. But too often, we're real selective. We say, oh, I like that person. I'll open the window. I'll help that person. Aren't you glad that God didn't pick and choose? He just said, whosoever will may come. Aren't you glad that he just says, hey, I'll forgive anybody. I'll love anybody. But too often, we're, we're looking for the nice-looking people, the people that look like they've got it all together, the people that they think, man, that, that's a person I want to help. But I'll tell you this, it's a simple opportunity where you just say yes to God. There was a pastor friend, and he just simply said, hey, I'm just going to say yes to whoever God. So God puts my path. So there was this old preacher in New York City, and this old preacher, he was street preach. He would just go help homeless. He was just known all over. And that guy invited him to go with him to a prayer meeting. But he didn't tell him the details about the prayer meeting. He's like, okay, I'm just going to go with this guy. He didn't think much of it. And uh, this guy was just kind of one of those people you're just never too sure about. He said, I'm just going to go with this guy to the prayer meeting. You say, where was the prayer meeting at? It was in the New York Knicks locker room and he just looked at the guy he said what are we doing in the New York Knicks locker room he's like oh I do chapel for him he's like are you kidding me this same pastor then starts ministering to the team players and then he starts to develop a relationship he's baptizing them he's seeing them reach he's helping them one of those players knows another player and then he's able to start leading people to the Lord some of these high profile celebrity and sports stars that he's able to minister into in his church why because he said yes to an opportunity that he never knew would blow up so big because he simply threw open the window so that anything could pass through some of you you are wanting God to do bigger and greater things but your window is so small it's so close God can't do anything because God can bless you back it is a blessed back God can pour it out whatever you give God can give more whatever you can do God can do more whatever you want God can want more God can help you if you will simply say God here's what I bring God here's what I have in the old new testament it was just a little boy with just a few loaves and a few fishes and he gave it to Jesus and Jesus fed over 5,000 people it was just a little bit and God takes that little bit as you pass it through the window and that God's able to bless so many people but you and I we're so stingy and we're like no, God, I'm going to close this, and I'm going to seal this, and man, I'm, I'm going to hide this instead of letting God bless and do something great. Some of you, I'm telling you, your financial situation would totally change if you would get this principle. I'm telling you, some of you, your bitterness would go away if you would simply learn to forgive. Some of you, you would find the love you've always been looking for if you would learn to throw open the window into love. 
Not just some guy who looks good, not just some girl who looks good, but if you said, hey, I'm going to love the unlovable. I'm going to spend time with those that everybody else marginalizes, and I'm going to give to those in need. All of a sudden, you will find that your life is rich, it is blessed, and it is fulfilled. But too often, the window is shut. And we need to widen that window. Let me get real practical, church. We live in the United States of America. And if you ask the average American, do they feel rich, what do you think they're going to say? No. Here's what's fascinating. Here's what blows my mind. I've traveled a little bit, not as much as some of you. And I've been to some countries where you could see the poverty, where you could see the type of living places where some people live in. And there are places in this world you can go where they live in just a little dirt hut. You can go to some places in South America where they live on top of a dump. And imagine you go to sit down with one of those people. And you're now going to tell them that you're not rich. This is what they'll say to you. They'll say, so you mean to tell me that you live in a house. Yes, yeah, right. And you have running water inside that house. That's right. And you've got a little box that if your food is too cold, in a matter of seconds, it'll get it to the perfect temperature that you want it. That's right. And you're not rich. No. And you're telling me, not only do you live in a house, but you have this thing called a car, and it has its own house that you call a garage. I do not understand why you think you're not rich, because you are filthy rich. Some of us, we don't just got one house for one car. We got a double garage, and we got two cars in there. Some of us, we got two cars in the garage and three or four on the street. Or some of you bought too much Black Friday junk, and so your garage, you don't have any cars in there. You got all kinds of other crap in there. But all that other crap, you could sell it on Craigslist, and all of a sudden, you might have a little bit of money, pay off some of your debt. And uh, uh, I know I'm preaching now. I'm stepping on some of your toes. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, but, but we look at ourselves. We think, no, I'm not rich. I think we need to adjust our definition of what rich means. We are very rich. You say, well, I don't necessarily own a car. But you know what? I bet you, you live on more than $2 a day. Because most of the people live on less than $2 a day. And yet we step back. And then we do this. Oh, God, you want, you want a little bit of from me, God? All right. Okay, God, I, I, I think I can... I can get a little bit through there, God, just a little bit. I can, I can give you a little, I'm not going to tithe, God, but I'll tip you. I'll give you a little tip, a little tip. That'll, that'll keep, we're good, right? We're good. God's like, I said, bring the tithe. Bring it. You see, we have this idea that I'm giving the tithe. Don't ever say you're giving the tithe. Don't ever say give. Because give means it was yours and you're giving it away. Do you see where I'm going with this? To say, I'm giving this means it was yours and you're giving it away. We bring the tithe. We're bringing back what's already God's. And it's amazing that God says, I've given you so much and I'm asking you to bring me just 10%. You see, we live in the United States of America where the average American, if you ask them, are you rich? They would say yes or no, I'm not rich. But then if you were to ask a second question, are you generous? You know what they're going to say? Yes. When the average American gives 2.6% of their income back away to anybody. 26 2.6% 2.6% away. 
You see, I'm getting really practical because we as a church, we're coming on a moment where we're seeing a great opportunity that God has given to our church. He's given us a window of opportunity. And church, it is a window. It's an opportunity. And we need to be stewards. And we need to say, God, I'm going to open up this window so that that blessing can flow back. You see, what goes out, it's two ways, right? It can't go out. So guess what? It can't go in. It can't go in. Some of you want God to give it to you, but God's like, I've got it. We believe it. We say God can do anything. And God's like, I can give it, but you've shut the window. We've shut the window. And this is where it gets convicted. It's up to you and I to say, God, I'm going to open the window because obedience. You see, God is going to give it back, but here's the line I want you to know. Evidence only manifests itself after obedience. You're only going to see God work after you give first. That's when we're going to see God bless. It's when you say, I'm going to love. It's when you say, I'm going to forgive. It's when you say, I'm going to give time. It's when you say, I'm going to tithe. When you say, I'm going to take this next step and give myself, that God says, guess what? Here it comes, and I can give it right back. I can bless right back. But we as a church, and if this is not your home church, we'd love for you to be a part of it. We'd love for you to join a church. We are excited about the steps that God is bringing us to, and we want to invite you on this journey. We believe that God has great things in store, not just for our church, but for you. And our church believes solely that we can rewrite the history of our area. We believe that we can tip the scale towards good in our communities. Our communities need it. We're becoming divided. We're becoming divisive. There's crime. There's all kinds of things. And we believe we can rewrite the story. We believe that we can change things at our church. We're not just a holy huddle. We're not just a Bible bubble. We believe that we go and do good in our community. That's why we paid to give away 350 Christmas trees. That's why we believe, we give first. That, that's where we as a church are opening the window. We as a church are throwing the window wide. I've talked with the staff, and we're doing more than just giving away 350 Christmas trees next week. It's going to blow your mind what we're actually going to do. We haven't said anything what we're actually going to do, but it's bigger than 350 Christmas trees next Sunday. You're not going to want to miss it because, God, we're saying, God, we believe that if we as a body, we as a church throw up in the window, you will do incredible things. We believe that God can provide anything if that window is open, but we as a church are not doing our part. 20% of our people who attend, who call Southridge home, actually give. I didn't say tithe. I said they bring something. Most people don't do anything. And I get it. Maybe you're new to our church. And this isn't to, to browbeat you. This isn't to put you down. But there are too many people that we're consumers and we're not contributors. We're not doing what it takes. You say, man, that building, I'll be back after this sermon series on raising funds is over. I'll see you in three weeks or five weeks whenever we got that new shiny building. That would be real cool, real nice for me. And I hope the coffee's a little better. A few more donuts, that's when you'll see me. No, no, no. We're saying, hey, what can we do? Because we as a church, we bring in about $6,000 a week. That's about our average how much we bring in. And that's a blessing. God uses it. It takes resources to reach people. That's what we believe. Now, this isn't my money pitch, but you just need to know some of the facts. $6,000. We average about 225 people in attendance. So that breaks down that the average person, our church, every person gives weekly $26.60. That's what it breaks down. So every person accounts for about a little over $100 a month. That's not enough to change the world. That's not enough to change our neighborhood. But what happens is 
this is what actually breaks my heart. Since you've shut the window on God, God wants to bless you because many of you, you've shared your needs with me. I know what your needs are. I hurt for you. But I know until you get this, God can't bless you. And it's not me trying to hold you hostage. It's me just saying, hey, the reality is, if you don't ever learn to open this window and give, you will never experience that best life. I said it's about saying yes, didn't I? And if you will say yes to widen the window, God can give you so much more than you ever thought. I have story after story of how God has worked in a powerful way. I have two cars I didn't pay for either of them. One was brand new. I didn't pay a dime for it. I stole it. No, I just kidding. I didn't. <laughs> Some of you are like, I always knew our pastors. Some, some didn't feel right. I always wondered. But you know what? God gave my wife and I a brand new car. But you know what's funny? Before we were ever given a car, we gave away a car for free. Never thinking that one day we're going to get a car. But the car we gave away was a 1996 Toyota Camry. The car we got was a brand new Toyota 2013 Highlander. See how God works? See how God works? My salary when we bought our house was $48,000 a year. That was my salary, and I bought a house in the Bay Area. He said, what'd you buy? Two refrigerator boxes duct taped together? Like, what, what did you get? Did you get ripped off? Do you actually even own the house? Do you, I don't think you own that house. I think somebody tricked you, Pastor. No, no, no. Like, it's a miracle. My wife, this summer, she went to go look at how we got the house because the city, we worked some things out, talked to the city and some different things. And uh, uh, she called them. She said, hey, we got this special thing where the city, they, they helped us get in this house with, with literally no money down. The city actually paid the down payment. And uh, we don't have to pay any interest on it. And they said, no, 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 you, that, that, that didn't happen. You guys didn't get that. We were like, no, we did. Here's the paperwork. They were like, you know, we do remember this program. We did this program five years ago. And nobody ever qualified in the entire city of San Jose but your family. They said, nobody ever qualified. They said, we had all this money, but it never worked. We did away with the program. Only one family ever got it. And it's because of that, I, there's no way I could afford to live in the Bay Area. Most of you, you're like, I don't know how we live here. It's so expensive. You're like, I am in those cardboard boxes you're talking about. That's my car. I put little wheels on it. It's a, it's a, it's a mobile home. That's, that's how we live. But I'm telling you, it was because, and this isn't to my credit. This is actually my wife. She said, you know what? We just need to give over and above what God asks. Last year, she said, hey, you want to see what we gave? Because in our house, um, I think I'm a very generous person, which actually means I'm just bad with money. It just means I just give it to everybody. You saw, I mean, Lorenzo and Wesley, you saw. I just, here you go. I think that was my pocket money for the rest of the month, guys. So, sorry, babe, I can't buy you a Christmas present. Lorenzo, you know, and uh, dollar store. And, uh, but I saw, she brought me the paperwork. She says, do you realize how much we gave away of our income last year? I said, I have no clue. You write the checks, babe. I just, I make it, you spend it. That's a good thing we got going on. Let's not mess this up. And she comes back and she's like, it's almost half of what we made. We gave away. Now, you and I both live in the same area. This isn't to say, oh, your pastor's a hero. No, no, no. I want to be an example that when you open up the window, I want you to know how God can provide. Even in an area you think there's no way. I want my story to give your story fuel and passion because I want you to know this isn't about how can I get more from you. No. 
when we're going to take this special offering December 17th, just know my wife and I are looking at how much we can give over and above. Hey, it affects my bottom line too. But I believe that people are going to be saved in that building. I believe we're going to change lives in that building. I believe we're going to baptize people. I believe that we're going to have an impact in that community. I believe that we can transform that neighborhood. I believe we can help the homeless. I believe we can help the single moms. I believe we can help the teens at risk. I believe there's so much we can do in our community because we as a church said we're ready to throw open the window. Now, some of you may not be ready to throw open the window wide. Do more than you're doing now. You want to lose 30 pounds? Just go to the gym. And then go again. And then go again. Just you say, hey, this year, I'm just going to open the window a little bit more. I'm just going to do a little bit more. And one day you're going to look back and be like, wow, God, you've provided every step of the way. Because God's been able to send so much more through. Let's all stand.